Arkham Quest for You fans. Here's another episode of Quest for You, my podcast, to help you look and reach deep within yourself to find what you're capable of. I'm here to motivate you and encourage you to not live by outside standards, but to challenge yourself based on what you feel passionate about, what you want to try, what you've always dreamed of. This is what I want to do to help you reach your potential. And if you enjoy this podcast, I would like to ask you today to share it with a friend. We're going through a difficult time right now in this world. And a message of encouragement and motivation, of gratitude and of hope, all of the things that I'm trying to do can help us, can help any one of us. So please help me spread the word quest for you. And I want to talk about our devices today. Yes, specifically those boxy little things that flash and that have our heads constantly in a bent forward position, even while driving. An entire episode on those. I mentioned them in a lot of my episodes, but today they're getting their own episode because they come up in almost every conversation I have these days. Those little electronic gadgets, they are blamed for everything. And everyone I talk to, including myself, and yes, sometimes I talk to myself, is trying to stay off them. Everyone seems to have finally realized that these things are useful, but they tend to suck our time away. I don't know if you've ever been to a casino. Inside, where it's dark, noisy, and flashy, and where time stands still because you are too distracted to even notice time. That's how I feel sometimes when I wake up from what seems like an eternity, as if I was inside a casino where I didn't notice how time flew by because I literally get sucked in. And the next time I look at the time on my phone, 30 minutes are gone. Well, I have news for you. It's not the device's fault. It's not Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg's fault either. Technology as a whole cannot be blamed or our modern times. It starts with ourselves. When I think back, I still remember how these devices made their way into my life. And maybe I'm a lot older than you, so my journey dates back further. But technology arrived via the internet on my PC at home. And I was first most fascinated with music. These were the times of free, not necessarily legal, downloadable music. And I spent hours every evening searching for songs and burning CDs. I wasn't much into chat, but I knew lots of people who spent their entire evenings in chat rooms. Then, a little later, I discovered the power of search engines. It wasn't yet a common everyday thing to type whatever question one had into a search box. We were all still used to traditional research, or we accepted the fact that a question that came up couldn't always be answered right away in that moment. Well, I needed to lose the weight I had put on at my first job out of college where I was sitting all day and eating free stuff from people's desks. That's when I turned to the internet and I found answers that actually helped me lose the weight. And just like music, it was free. And at that time, everything free was welcome because I was college broke. 
recipes, exercise routines, diet guidelines. Bored in my first job, I printed entire binders full of colorful pages. That was what got me going on my health and fitness journey that I'm still on. Then cell phones became widespread, but I was a late adopter. I didn't see the need to carry one. People at work would always point out my long commute, but I wasn't too worried. Only when my next employer decided I needed a cell phone is when I got one. But back then, cell phones were pretty useless unless you had a lot of people in your life that wanted to talk to you. Life truly changed when smartphones arrived. However, I was late to that game too. I had the same hesitancy as with flip phones. Who needs internet in the car? I'm already in front of the computer all day at work. Why do I need it on my phone? Well, and the rest is history. Today, I cannot imagine life without my phone. It may be called a phone, but I hardly use that functionality. Everything is about the internet, social media, maps, apps, and trackers. But looking back, I do see a trend in the way I have adopted the changing technology over the years. My main question always was, do I need this? What problem does this solve? And if I didn't have the problem, there was no need to solve it. And interestingly, these devices have been in my life before the problem arose. I went ahead and bought them with only a limited set of problems in mind. But then I found increasingly more uses for them to the point that a day without them would pose a serious problem. My phone has become a constant companion, like a person that's always on my side. And the moment I'm bored, feel lonely, or need a break, I turn to that person. No, wait, it's not a person, it's a device. In the absence of other people, my phone is there for me. It makes me feel connected. And I think this sense of connection comes from the fact that we are informed much more than we used to be. I feel more connected with the world overall because of my devices. I can travel to the most remote places, walk into a hotel, check out the rooms and then reserve them, just as if I was there in person. I feel more connected with my country and my community because of my devices. Local news and forum boards keep me up to date on everything that happened on my corner and in my country last night. And I feel more connected with a lot more people because I know more about them than I ever knew before. Politicians, music stars, artists, business moguls, coaches, random people. Before, I had to search newspapers and magazines or watch a lot of TV. Later, I would run home and search the internet. But social media has changed all of that. I can now be a follower of anyone's life without stalking them. And I can see their children, their living rooms, and what they eat for dinner. And this makes me feel like I'm part of their tribe. Thanks to my devices, I have a much larger network of people. I chat with people I would probably otherwise never talk to. Random people I met on a trip or old friends that live far away. Or just the guy from the gym who I only see randomly when our paths cross. I feel connected. Sometimes I feel overly connected, overwhelmed by messages on all the different apps that I have on my phone. 
I sometimes even forget to answer for days. There used to be times when someone didn't answer within a couple of hours. You knew something was up. Today, it's quite normal to get answers to messages days later because we're all overwhelmed from all these different apps and messages. But I think we all have experienced the feeble nature of those so-called connections as well. Let me refresh your memory in case you can't recall anything. To the time where you had an emergency and your best friend wasn't available. A flat tire maybe or a sudden illness. Or the time where you had no weekend plans and the phone was dark and quiet. Or when a friend let you down and you didn't know what to do. Moments when you suddenly realize, I don't have anyone I can ask or call or talk to. Lynn over in Sweden might post great exercise videos and she looks amazing after her first baby, but she won't go for coffee and chat with me. Mike from the climbing gym lives here in Oakland, but I hardly ever talk to him, so I'm sure he'll find it awkward when I ask him to go climbing because my partner canceled on me. And all the inspiring food posts don't make me feel better when I overindulged in cake at my friend's house the night before. You see, the connection we feel most of the time, when we are bored, when we need some motivation, when our life is in order, it fades quickly when we actually come to depend on it. Information doesn't equal connection. The people we are casually associated with online are not our true tribe. Our need to belong, to feel validated and supported, is easily satisfied when someone follows us, likes our pictures, or when we follow them and cook their recipes and feel touched by the quotes that they post. But this is not true connection. But sadly, we increasingly make do with that. According to the social networking fact sheet, more than 73% of online adults today, between the ages of 18 and 65, are on some sort of social site. Have you ever tried online dating? then you might have experienced a seemingly perfect connection with someone online. Everything they write sounds as if they are the perfect partner for you. And then we create an image in our mind about this person. And then we meet them and we are in shock. They are far from the person that we imagined. And we wonder how we could have been so wrong. They often don't even look like the picture they posted. Online dating is the perfect example of why words on a screen are not enough to build a deeper relationship. So much more is involved. It's an entire package that I call a person's way of being. Their expressions, their behaviors, tone of voice, their looks, how they smell and move. It's both chemistry and attraction. It's a feeling of connectedness that we just don't have with everyone Online, it's easy to establish because all we see are the words this person types, maybe pictures. But everything in between that makes up this human being as a whole is missing. The following is from an article I found on Psych Central, and it describes well what I'm sharing here. Studies and personal experience reveal people tend to put their best foot forward while interacting on social media. This place of emotional weakness, insecurity, or conflicts 
generally tend to be concealed or minimized on social networking sites. It is often difficult, if not impossible, on social media to reveal the qualities that define deep, intimate relationships. While our social media friends offer us a great deal, it is not a true substitute or even supplement for real-life interactions with others. With an online connection, we forget how real connection feels and how important it is for the quality of our lives and how necessary it is for us humans. We are social animals, yet social media doesn't qualify as being social. How much time have I wasted chatting away with people I don't even particularly like just because I needed a quick fix of validation or sense of belonging instead of going out and making a real friend? Yes, it's more work, but it's also more rewarding. Our devices are not true companions. The people online are not mostly true friends. Friendship is established one-on-one. My social media use serves many purposes. My devices make my life easier, but technology cannot replace human-to-human connections. When I am out in nature, in the climbing gym with my friends, at my meeting with my speaking tribe, or at my podcast mastermind, I don't even think of my phone because I'm busy building meaningful relationships, growing as a person, challenging myself, And those are what I need. Meaningful relationships. They give me a true sense that I belong, that I'm part of a tribe, a community, that I matter. And I want to push you to get off your phones and nurture your personal relationships. Not just one or two. Go seek out people that you like. Whether it's a dinner meetup, a shared workspace, or a running group, go out and interact with others. Learn and improve your social skills. Build meaningful connections with other humans because those will help you when you need help. They will invite you to events when you feel lonely and they will help you feel part of something bigger. Needs that our devices and social media cannot meet to the same degree. The moment you forget about your phone altogether is when you know you are engaged with the world around you. And that is why we're here, don't you think? Much love, my friends.